Hello, 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 and welcome back to the SLP Corner podcast. We have a returning guest here today, Nicole Bowles. She is a U of T SLP grad student, and she has been on the podcast before. She was here before to talk all about literacy and the reading wars, and um, that, we were just talking about that. That was a really popular, highly downloaded podcast, so I'm going to link it in the show notes so you guys can listen to that um, as well, but welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming back on. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be back. Yeah, I'm excited to have you back on. We were just chatting. You're in your second year of your graduate program and you have like just a few months left. I'm so excited. I can't wait to enter the workforce. Yeah. And it's nice because we're Canadian SLPs, so we don't have a CF. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just get get rolling. You're done with school after this. You're free. (laughs) You can do whatever you want. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So Today, um, actually, can you, first, can you like kind of share a little bit about your background with literacy? So, mm-hmm. because um, in case people haven't listened to our podcast before, what's your background with literacy? Why are you interested in it? What's your experience with it? Kind of discuss that, and then we can dive into the topic for today. Yeah, of course. Um, so, as Shannon mentioned, I'm an SLP grad, but I'm also a literacy tutor, and I've been doing that for about four years, just over four years. Um, and so, I work with kids of all ages, but mainly grades one, two, and three, um, and some 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 are in grade four also. Um, and so, I am currently uh, being trained in the Smarter Intervention Program, but I am following a specific um, explicit and systematic literacy program through the private practice that I'm working at. Um, So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Okay, awesome. I'm excited because I can always learn more about literacy. Like, it's not in depth, like it's not gonna have, we don't have an in-depth program or like class in it in our SLP program but then in a lot of places it kind of depends the area like I know Alberta schools I've heard from SLPs there it's really expected you know a lot about literacy in the Alberta school system but then like other areas um sometimes there are reading specialists and they're not SLPs so it kind of depends the area of like where you live and everything and and how much you're expected to know but I think it's always good for SLPs to have more of a focus on literacy and so I'm excited to chat with that about a chat about literacy with you today So we're going to be talking about dyslexia and reading disorders. So let's start with just chatting about like dyslexia. So what is dyslexia? How would you describe what dyslexia is? Yeah, this is a great topic um, because a lot of people have, there are a lot of myths out there about dyslexia. And so just right off the bat, dyslexia is a neurodevelopmental disorder and it often runs in families. So a lot of the children that I get who have dyslexia, their parents might also have dyslexia, either one or both. Um, It occurs in people of all backgrounds and ages, Um, occurs in all languages. Um, I have children who are classified as being gifted in perhaps areas that aren't as literacy or language friendly or language heavy, sorry, Um, yet they are also dyslexic. Um, And so in a nutshell, dyslexia is um, typically when a child has ongoing literacy difficulties that persist past their school entry in three or more areas. The three biggest areas being decoding, reading fluency, and phonological awareness. And so we'll go through those um, now. So decoding is, for those of you who don't know, is the ability to 
see a word on a page in print form and to parse out the letters using the letter sound knowledge. So being able to know the relationship between the letters and sounds, segmenting the letters or sounding them out and then blending it all back together to then say that sound out loud. And then as you can imagine, this requires a lot of other skills such as working memory because a lot of the times I have children who will sound out say dog, dog, and then they'll go back to say the word only to find that they've forgotten the sounds um, that they just decoded. So there's a lot more than just decoding the words. Um, there's a lot more that's involved behind the scenes. Um, the two last ones being reading fluency. So reading fluency is the stamina that we require to be able to read long passages in an effortless and automatic way. Um, children who have dyslexia, they might read in a very choppy-like way, and it seems like they're reading word for word because it's taking them a lot of, like it's very time consuming and effortful to go through just one sentence. Um, and then finally, phonological awareness might be impacted. So this is the ability to attend to and manipulate sounds in a word. So for example, I might ask a child to say the word plate, but to remove the ul. And so the answer for that, or for, the answer for that one would be pate, um, and a lot of the children who have dyslexia might have difficulties in that area. And of course, that was just one task in phonological awareness. There are many other tasks, such as rhyme detection or rhyme generation, such as blending sounds and words or manipulation of sounds. The example that I mentioned was a sound deletion task. So those are the three main components that might be impaired in a child who has dyslexia. Okay. That was like a, a stunning explanation. Oh my God. I'm just like, whoa, that was so clearly worded. Okay. Amazing. Reading disorder. This is where I get confused because in the school system in Vancouver, at least now they're there. I barely ever hear the word dyslexia and I just hear like learning impairment in the area of reading or reading disorder or le learning impairment in the area of writing. So, so then when people are using the term reading disorder, what is reading disorder? And then can you describe how reading disorder and dyslexia differ? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in the school systems, I have had many experiences where parents come to the teacher and say, I think my kid has dyslexia. And they can tell that the teacher might be a bit intimidated by that word in and of itself. I don't know that maybe that's why it's not being used or as much, um, but a reading disorder is more of the generic or umbrella term that encompasses other uh, disorders, including dyslexia. So um, dyslexia is a reading disorder, but not all reading disorders are dyslexia, if that makes sense. Um, so kids with dyslexia, they struggle with specific skills such as decoding, um, reading fluency and phonological awareness, but children with a reading disorder might struggle with more than that. So they might also struggle with language comprehension, with reading comprehension um, in both reading and oral tasks. Um, in a reading disorder, multiple language domains could be affected. So for example, syntax or knowing what order words go in in a sentence, um, children with reading disorder might also struggle with semantics or knowing the meaning behind words, um, whereas kids with dyslexia, it's much more constrained to just phonology. And phonology, again, is knowing the sound system 
in our specific language that we're learning to read. Um, so for example, this might be a child who has dyslexia might not understand that it's legal in English for us to have a word that starts with GLA, such as glamour, but we can't have a word that starts with DLA, such as DLA, that, that's, not, that's not legal in English. Um, whereas kids with a reading disorder, they might have issues in phonology in this area as well, in addition to also having issues in semantics, in syntax, in all of these other language domains, um, in addition to um, more of that constrained decoding difficulty, the reading fluency difficulty, and the phonological um, awareness impairment. Um, now, I'm going to preface what I'm about to say by saying also that this is not black and white, that not all children will fit this category, but typically children with dyslexia usually don't have a history of a speech and language delay, whereas children with a reading disorder often do have a history of delayed speech and language. And this kind of makes sense because as we just talked about reading disorders are more broad and they involve multiple language domains. So if a child has difficulties with semantics or syntax, then it's not a surprise that they might've had a history of some kind of a language disorder or impairment. I was just gonna ask you that. I was gonna say, I wonder how often a language disorder accompanies a reading disorder. So it sounds mm -hmm. like often, that's often the case. Yeah, and that's a good question as far as prevalency goes. I don't know the numbers exactly, and I don't want to give one yeah. right off the bat because I don't know, but um, it's probably up there because we do see a link between language disorders and um, and reading or literacy challenge in, in the future. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So then who diagnoses it? Um, it's typically the child psychologist or educational psychologist. I've never seen like a report from an SLP being like this child has dyslexia. Mm -hmm. I've only seen um, SLP reports uh, with statements at the end being like a severe reading impairment or a severe uh, reading impairment slash, you know, writing difficulties in X areas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then um, do you know like what age like this typically gets caught at? Like, is it what age do the reading disorders or dyslexia usually get caught in around kindergarten or is it like later mm -hmm. on and people should be more aware of this earlier on? That's a good question. It's difficult to say because in preschool, a lot of the risk factors are family history and stuff like that. And so at that time, um, they might screening for dyslexia isn't a big thing in preschool, at least not from my experience and not what I've heard. Um, whereas in like entry to school time, that's usually where the screening for dyslexia might occur around grades one to two. Um, but at that point, that's when sort of we want that early intervention to take place. A lot of the times children who have dyslexia might be left or might fall into the cracks, especially those who maybe don't have dyslexia, but instead have a reading disorder, specifically a reading comprehension impairment, because they can read just fine. They can zoom through passages, but little does the teacher or the speech pathologist know they can't understand anything they're being read, uh, anything that they're reading. So um, I would say a lot of the times it it does get caught in kindergarten, usually grade one, grade two. That's usually when the child starts learning literacy, the um, 
precursors to literacy. And at that point, there might be some red flags from the teacher to then screen them. And then they might move to or be referred to an SLP or a child psychologist for a potential formal diagnosis. Okay. And then like speaking of the formal diagnosis, so like how much does that diagnosis matter with the difference in treatment and like your therapy approach? So like if you see a child and it says they have dyslexia or they have a reading disorder, is your therapy approach going to be very different? Is instruction going to be different? How does, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Um, the short answer is no instruction is not different. Um, so, all children, whether they are diagnosed with dyslexia or a reading disorder, um, should receive the same quality of explicit and systematic literacy instruction. Um, so I see all children, dyslexic or not, children who have a reading disorder, ADHD, whatever have you, and they are being given the same program and they follow the same program. The only difference is that children who have those comorbidities who have dyslexia or a reading disorder, they might require more practice and that it just might take them more time to acquire the skills that we're going through. But the skills themselves don't change from child to child. It's just that a lot of these kids, they might be pulled out of school for one-on-one -on -one services with an SLP or with um, a literacy tutor like me so that they can receive the um, greater amounts of practice that they need to really master uh, the skills and become a proficient reader. What are some of the risk factors for developing challenges in literacy skills? It sounds like dyslexia, there's a big genetic component, um, but for challenges with literacy in general, what are some of the risk factors you're seeing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, genetic is, genetics is the primary risk factor in dyslexia. Um, What's interesting is um, I, I actually did my thesis on the home literacy environment, and this is a, a big area that uh, may result in future, uh, may correlate with future literacy outcomes. Um, by home literacy environment, we mean the amount of books that the child is exposed to at home, the amount of times they're being read to by parents. And this is not to say that parents who don't read to their children every night or children who don't have books in the home won't become proficient readers. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, but this is just one piece of the puzzle. Uh, literacy is so multifactorial and there's so many factors that could play a part in where they end up or how proficient um, they become as future literacy uh, readers. And so another big thing is the type of literacy instruction that is being given to the child in schools, whether it's systematic, whether it's evidence-based. Um, another risk factor, which a lot of people don't realize, is there is a link between speech sound disorders and um, future literacy outcomes. And this is because both speech sound disorders and literacy um, involve a very important set of skills that are all fall under an umbrella called phonological processing. And phonological processing is in, um, it's made up of three main components. So the first one being phonological awareness. And we talked about that, the manipulation of sounds within words. Um, it also compo is composed of phonological memory. So this is the memory of speech sounds and speech sequences. This is especially true for those super long words. So again, like we talked about, if a 
kid is supposed to read the word elephants and they go one sound at a time, then they might forget the sounds before, um, especially if they're having to hold so many sounds in their in their short term, short and working memory um, as they're trying to retrieve those letter sounds from a print version. Another huge component to phonological processing is rapid naming or the ability to retrieve the letter sounds off the page uh, very quickly and then store it in our memory. Um, and then, uh, so a lot of the times when kids present with speech sound disorders, they might have trouble with their phonological awareness or with their phonological memory. Um, and this may impact literacy as well because these components are also involved in literacy. That's like such a good um, thing for to be top of mind for SLPs mm -hmm. when we're seeing these children to avoid this becoming something even more and more and more challenging. And we're someone who's seeing them early on for maybe speech sounds and we want to be looking at the whole picture when we're seeing them. That's a good reminder. Yeah, exactly. And that's why SLPs might not only assess for the child's ability to distinguish one sound from the other, like let's say if a kid is coming in with a potential speech sound disorder, we don't just want to assess their expressive phonology, but we also want to assess their receptive phonological skills such as phonological awareness and um, phonological memory and all of the one all of the other skills that I mentioned just now. Okay. Um so we've chatted a bit about roles. We've talked about teacher, we talked about literacy tutors, we talked about SLPs, child psych. I know um here there are like literacy specialists who like have you heard of Orton Gillingham? Yeah. yeah, so we have one we have someone who um is like certified in Orton Gillingham and she works with kids at the clinic. So I kind of want to talk about like all these different people, what are their roles, who's doing what, what does the team look like for children with these challenges? Mm -hmm. Um yeah, so like we talked about dyslexia and reading disorders in general are so complicated. And so obviously we do want to have a big team of people who are there to help. Um, and I think the biggest person of the team that we kind of tend to neglect a little bit when it comes to the decision-making process is the child themselves and the parents. Um, the parent is usually the first one to realize that their child is struggling and the child um, is usually the first one to come forward to their parents um, and to express their challenges. And so a, a big thing that I, a big take home message I think is for parents to advocate for their children. A lot of the times we see um, parents coming to the private practice I'm currently working at and it took them so long to get the services that they need. And now they're coming and they're having to pay out of pocket um, because say, you know, they unfortunately weren't able to receive those early intervention services. So I think um, just being assertive and uh, being an advocate for your child when you notice that they're having issues um, with literacy in school. Um, so parent and child, those are the biggest, I think, team players. Uh, of course, the teacher is also a huge part in this. They are usually the ones who are um, trained in a systematic way of teaching children how to read in schools. And they are with the child day in, day out, teaching them literacy skills. Um, and so a big part is collaborating with the teacher and figuring out what's going on at school, what specific skills the 
child is working on. Um, sometimes I'll meet with them to figure out if what I'm doing is in alignment with what the child is exposed is exposed to at school, um, such as the vocabulary that they're learning or the reading level that they're on. Um, and then uh, as we talked about, the child psych might be there as well. If the teacher notices if they screen the child and um, they're at risk for dyslexia, then the child psych might come in and assess the child and potentially diagnose them with a reading disorder or dyslexia. Um, an educational aide might also be involved in the picture. Um, a lot of the times the children I see also have one-on-one -on -one reading in their schools um, with the support of an educational aide who might not necessarily be trained in an evidence-based program like Orton Gillihan, like you said, um, but they at least have the tools um, that were then passed down from the SLP or the literacy tutor um, to be able to support the child during one-on-one -on -one reading. Um, the SLP, as we mentioned, is also vital in this role. So they might be the first one to see signs of things like speech and language issues um, that could then uh, result in reading difficulties later on. Um, they might work with a child who presents with both um, speech sound a speech sound disorder and uh, literacy difficulties. Um, so in this case, they might work on saying certain sounds, as you probably have, you know, lots of experience in Shannon. Um, but they may might also add an orthographic cue, um, or they might also add components of literacy to, to kill two birds with one stone, and show the child how the word, for example, cat is spelt on a page to then establish that link between um, orthography or the letters on the page as well as the sounds that they're hearing um, that are being shaped via that phonological processor that we talked about. Um, and then finally, a literacy tutor might be involved like myself, especially if the child um, requires extra time. Like we mentioned, children who have dyslexia, they might just require more practice in the skills that are being taught at school. And so that's why they might see a one-on-one -on -one, um, tutor outside. The tutor is usually um, specially trained in a program such as Orton-Gillingham or Smarter Intervention. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's it. Did I miss anyone, Shannon? <laughs> I think you got it covered. Um, yeah, like literally the whole time you're they're talking about all of this, I'm just thinking, I want to learn more about this. Like I want to, I'm like so inspired to learn more about this topic in general. Do you have resources for SLPs that you recommend that you're like, maybe it's an Instagram page, maybe it's, maybe it's like um, continuing ed. Like, do you have any recommendations of, of places that you've learned a lot or really good resources? Mm -hmm. um, I, I've learned a lot from SLP Literacy Corner. She is a speech pathologist, but she, similarly to me, is very passionate about all things literacy, and that's all she posts about on literacy, and she makes things very fun, um, and she's also a U of T grad, so I'm a little bit biased in that way. I was just she's... looking at, I pulled up her page, and I, I realized I follow her, um, but I just, I saw Ontario, Canada. I'm like, I think we're a little biased. <laughs> no, but that's great. I love, I love supporting Canadian SLPs. Okay. So SLP.literacy.corner. And I'll add that in the show notes already. Just looking at her page, it's like filled to the brim with um, mm -hmm. content here. Okay. Okay. Any other, any other courses or anything you've taken or other Instagram, anything like that, that you recommend? 
Yes, um, I am currently taking the Ascend Smarter Intervention. It's kind of like Orton Gillingham. Um, I can't compare the two because I haven't done Orton Gillingham, but Smarter Intervention is um, a web-based training program that you go through, but they also give you all of the lesson plans um, to every sound, every digraph, every skill related to literacy. And it does so in a way that's systematic and hierarchical. So you can like, it's just, it's a whole program and then you just follow it. Um, and it also gives you uh, data tracking sheets as well as um, uh, like a, an area to see your child's progress and to determine if they can continue or if you should reteach certain concepts that were previously um, gone through. And I haven't used it with my children, but I do plan on using it as a future speech pathologist um, because I'm going to be on my own soon. So I wanted to have a, a, a new program and in my toolbox. That's awesome. How long does that take to work through if someone's interested in someone myself? No, but if anyone's interested in um, doing that, it, how, what, what kind of commitment is that? It took me about, I want to say like a month, but you can do it on your own time. And I worked through it like maybe 10 for 10, 20 minutes each day. Um, and it really is like your own self learning. So you go at your own pace. Um, and it's really nice because they also have like various short videos that explains each concept and why it's important to learn. And there's a comment section um, during each lesson where you can ask questions about um, the concepts that are being taught in the videos. And they also have a Facebook group for um, just to gain a sense of community in the world of literacy. And this uh, program is has also been recommended by um SLP Literacy Corner. So, okay, yeah. awesome. All right, I'll, I'll everything you've mentioned, I'll put in the show notes for anyone listening. Um, and then most importantly, can you share a little bit about your where people can fi find you and follow you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have an Instagram called Speech Bright Co. And I also share literacy resources and little tidbits um, about things that have helped me during my literacy sessions. Um, so feel free to check me out if you're interested in that. Check her out. Is there anything else you want to share about literacy? Anything, any, any tips, any other, any resources, anything at all that comes to mind that we might have skipped over or missed? Um, no, just to please contact me if you're interested in this topic, because I love talking to other people who have gone through experiences, um, either they themselves have been, um, you know, a, a child in the system who had troubles with literacy, um, or you are a literacy tutor. I just love hearing from everyone who's passionate about this topic. Oh, okay. Awesome. Well, everyone, um, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you have questions, reach out to Nicole and, um, thank you for coming on, taking the time to do another podcast together. Thank you so much for having me again. This awesome. is so fun. Yeah, it was. Okay, great. Um, all right, everyone enjoy the podcast and I'll see you next Monday. Okay.